What's up, guys? Welcome to the Walk Show podcast, where we explore the walk of life. This is your host, Walker Near. This week, we are joined by Danny Wade, who is the founder of Beat the Overwhelm. Danny has a wife, a mom to two girls, works full-time as a senior sales executive, is a property investor, an SSAS trustee, as well as being a goal mapping and productivity coach. Danny has spent years investing in herself with a strong focus on self-development, which led her to discovering her biggest passion, which is helping people optimize themselves and realize their potential. Danny's approach consists of a healthy dose of perspective, focusing on what you can control and breaking things down into manageable chunks. Danny and I had a really fun and thoughtful conversation that I'm really excited to share with you. As always, I want to thank Misha Zarens for the music. Let's get over the conversation with Danny. Welcome to the Walk Show Podcast, Danny Wade. Thank you so much for joining. How are you doing this evening? Thank you for having me. I'm excited. Yeah, for sure. So, Danny, you are the founder of Beat the Overwhelm, um, but beyond that, you're also a wife, a mother, a full-time senior sales executive, a property investor. So, uh, overwhelm sounds like a word that you might be familiar with. <laughs> yes, definitely. <laughs> um, and it's about managing the overwhelm. So yes, it's something that I've learned to do over the years. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, if you don't mind just to explain it, and I, I will also say the website is beattheoverwhelm.co. Um, we'll have a link to that in the show notes. But yeah, I mean, what kind of led you to start Beat the Overwhelm? How did you decide to, to go that direction? So it's been a really long journey. And it was... I, I focused a lot on my own self-development. I've always been into self-development and being better. Um, I've been in sales for over 20 years. So mm. naturally, it's quite a competitive environment. And you know, no matter how, how well you do, <laughs> you're only as good as your last quarter or your last sell. Um, <laughs> right. So there was, I, I guess I'm used to that really competitive, high-pressured environment. But looking back, it definitely wasn't healthy at times um mm. and i think you know, that focus on self-development was good but it was only really when i threw myself into it properly and by that i mean i didn't just read the books i really worked to take action i went to immersive events and it was from there that i realized that i wanted to get into coaching mm. but that was years ago <laughs> and I wasn't quite sure how to do it. I started looking at coaching. I was like, oh my goodness, there's so many people coaching. What's my niche? And so I just focused on developing myself and it was only a year and a half ago that one of my coaches said to me, you know, what's your USP? And it was then that I realized it had been staring me in the face for forever, really. Um, you know, the one thing that people have always said to me is, how do you do it all? So mm. that led me to, you know, thinking about how I was now in a place managing so much, how I had overcome overwhelm, how I had um, come out of burning out as well. So I, you know, I did experience burnout. Um, I had times when I was reliant on sleeping pills and, you know, just to be able to sleep, cause I had just so much going on in my head. So it's been, I'd say an 18 month process to reverse engineer the bits that worked 
and put that into a course. Mm. Yeah, that makes that, that makes a lot of sense. Um, so, and this I don't know if this question makes any sense or not, but does your do you think that? And I don't mean in, in growing the business. Obviously, it's useful there, but just the, the the experience you've had in sales does any of that skill set translate into the coaching that you deliver and, and again i don't know if that makes sense or not but yeah that that does i've, I've never had anyone ask that so great question but <laughs> <laughs> that's a really good point and I, I think yes would be my answer on that because whilst I've been in sales for a long time and salespeople sometimes don't have the best reputation. Um, I've always said, I don't see myself as a salesperson, even though I couldn't imagine doing anything else for a day job. Um, and that's because I love interacting with people. I love talking to people. And one of the first things they teach you is, you know, how to really actively listen and take that on board. And you're seeing if there's a match and, just as with anything you're selling, it's not a match for everyone. And that's the same with coaching as well. Um, you know, mm -hmm. you're not going to be a match for everyone. And that's the beauty of it. And it's taken me a while to realize that is that, you know, not everyone's going to resonate with me and that's okay. <laughs> yeah, no, I think that's a really important thing to, 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 um, to say, because, you know, in a variety of ways with personal development, there's, you know, there's a lot of personal development books and courses and that sort of thing. And I think that a lot of times it's easy for people to try and lump it all into, oh, it's all the same message. Mm. And something I harp on this show about is that while there are some principles that I think are probably consistently true, everyone has their own spin to it and there's nuance in the way people are talking about it. And so I think all of it is incredibly valuable and important because while there are some people who maybe wouldn't resonate with you. There are also people who will only resonate with you, exactly. right? So you're the, you're potentially the message for some people that they've been waiting to hear to kind of help dig themselves out of stuff like this. So, um, well, there, and the reason I asked that question was just that, you know, in, in things that I've read, I don't even, I don't even, I'll, I'll back up a little bit in, in my experience, what I've seen is that the things that people are, um, struggle with the most oftentimes is, you know, finances, uh, a, a mental health is kind of too nebulous of a term and it's not necessarily that, but self-confidence and, and those sorts of things or dealing with high volumes of stress, which is all how you think about things. But those things aren't taught in education, at least in the United States, yeah, it's not part of the curriculum, right? But it's, I mean, if you don't have those things in order, I don't care how good at algebra you are, <laughs> life is going to be much harder, right? Absolutely. Yeah, that couldn't be closer to the truth. And you know, in the UK, you know, terms such as growth mindset and talking about your inside voice is starting to come out. Um, mm -hmm. you know, it's much more improved than when I was little, that's for sure. You know, that no mm -hmm. one ever told you that that inside voice you have where you're beating yourself up that that's normal and that's what everyone does and you know you're in control of it and you can control it and it's up to you to manage your headspace and and how to do that so it's incredibly important but I do feel like the message is starting to get out there um which is really really promising yeah, no, I totally agree. And and that's, that's like, a, that's why I said before we even started recording, I'm so excited to have you on because I, I just love having people on that are 
trying to a help other people and really just spreading a positive message that that brings people up and um there's <laughs> there's plenty of negative stuff out there oh, so <laughs> it's nice to contribute something helpful um yeah so who in your coaching who are you kind of working with primarily are you working, working with like professional clients or just individual people or groups or how does that go yeah at the moment it's a lot of individuals um mostly aspiring entrepreneurs so i guess you know the niche for now is you know when you start with your niche and who you're targeting is someone who's a bit like me who's interested in having multiple streams of income is you know managing and juggling quite a lot <laughs> um, right, right. So that but i am i have done um i mean i cannot wait to be able to do in-person um sessions again with groups i i absolutely love that because the energy you get from that is you can't beat that um, as much as I love the one-to-one -one, um, working. And I'm also really passionate about youth. Um, and as you, you've mentioned it already about, you know, getting this message out to children as young as possible so that they just have an easier time growing up. And, you know, we, we all had things to deal with growing up, but now, there's a hell of a lot more. <laughs> so it's yeah. the coping mechanisms. Yeah, I can't imagine. Uh, I'm so glad that I missed the boat on social media being a thing when I was in school still, because that wouldn't have gone well for me. So I, <laughs> I didn't need my adolescent years recorded on video forever. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, so I guess, um, I guess we'll start. What is, what, what is, what is the routine that you employ, um, whether it be in, in coaching or, or just personally, even, you know, like I, I personally, I try and meditate and read and, and journal and things like that on a consistent basis. Do you engage in any of those sorts of activities or what kind of habits do you have that, that help you stay centered? Yes, I mean, there's a lot. And it was, you know, when I started building this course, I realized just how much there was. <laughs> and mm -hmm. so I think, you know, if we start at the beginning, everything starts with your mindset. So we've touched on that a little bit. And you mentioned self-confidence earlier. So I talk about that in the term of self-belief, because I think there's a, there's a, it's a, it's similar, but there's a difference. And it's mm -hmm. how do you build up your self-belief? And for most, you know, as a child in your early years, you do have levels of self-belief and you have, you know, your cheerleaders, you know, people, every time you take a step, it's a big deal. And, you know, all of this and that, and that suddenly dissipates over time. And so it's I always start with a reminder of all of the things that you've achieved all of the things that you've overcome, because no matter what you've been through and overcome, there's a lot of strength that comes from that. And I think if you want to do anything in life, whatever it is, it doesn't have to be becoming more productive. If you just spent five minutes and wrote down a list of all of the things you've achieved and overcome, that would give you a boost, 100%. Mm. Yeah, no, that's, that's, that's awesome. And I, I think it speaks to... Um... You know, a long time ago, I kind of came to understand that, and this may be only true for me, but I think it's probably a little more widespread that I am actually not, I don't have the mental capacity to to truly give attention to 
to multiple things at once, right? So if I'm thinking about a situation and I'm focusing on the negative of it for an easy way to say it, yeah. that's where, that's where I'm, that's the lane I'm in now. And if you go to, again, positive isn't even necessarily the right word, but if you go to something that, that is on the positive side, then that's the lane you can be in. Absolutely. But both are still true, right? Like one's not gone. We kind of have to pick the lane that we're going to, going to stay in. Absolutely. And I think that's realizing you have that choice mm-hmm. because those thoughts can take over and they can ruin a moment. They can ruin a day. They can ruin weeks, months, years, if you allow it to. So yeah. it's enforcing and reminding yourself that you have a choice. And it doesn't mean that you know, you're happy at every single moment. And sometimes right. you need to allow yourself and acknowledge some sadness or you know wh- whatever that is. It's just becoming more self-aware and in tune with how you're feeling and then taking a moment to add some perspective to it. Because with perspective, there's always two sides. <laughs> um, so yep. adding perspective to any situation can be really helpful and focusing on what can you do about it? Is it something within your control? If it is, deal with it. Get it out of your head. Clear up that headspace so that you've got it for more useful things. Um, if you can't control it, then it's how am I going to deal with this and how am I going to move it to the side so that I can continue forwards? Yeah. Yeah, I think the the word choice is, is a pretty powerful one. Um, it, this is kind of a dated reference at this point and kind of dorky probably, but at the end of the matrix movies, I don't know if you ever saw those back in the day, but at the end of the matrix movies, when Neo is fighting the villain at the end of it, he's losing over and over. And the villain says to him, Smith says, why do you persist? And he says, because I choose to. Yeah. And I don't know that that, I don't know how much that resonates with people, but for me that that's always stood out as like, that is the, the power of humanity. Like that's, what separates us from an algorithm or something, right? Like it's not just a series of, because logically maybe the thing you're getting ready to embark on does have more, a a lot of risk, right? Yeah. But that doesn't mean that you can't proceed still, even if logically (laughs) the math problem would say that the probability shows you should go another way. Um, Something else you'd talked about earlier, you said when you kind of started on this was, when you really were energized is when you went to a, a group event and then you talked also about how you really like working with groups. Can you kind of elaborate on, on what that energy is like and what you find out of those group environments? It's hard to put into words for me. It, it literally, the only way I can describe it is food for my soul. Like mm. I really, really, I think I'm quite empathetic. So I, I will, just I, I try to put myself in positive situations because I get so much from that I will just absorb that and I'll be giving it straight back out as well um, and it's quite liberating I, I find it I, yeah sorry I don't have a great answer for that one I just no. think, yeah, it's hard to put it into words it it, it literally you know it just wakes me up Right. Well, and the reason I I asked is just because, and it is kind of a strange question, but the reason I asked is because I think that there's, you know, people who are already going to events like that kind of understand that, you know, like I go to pod, well, (laughs) pre-COVID, I went to podcaster (laughs) events. Um, And yeah, I mean, the energy you get that I get from being around a thousand other people that are all podcasters is tremendous because it's just like everyone's so excited about it. And like you said, you just feed off of it. 
But I think for people that maybe haven't had those experiences, because I was this way before I started going to those things, mm. it's like there's either a fear that it's maybe kind of corny or that it's that I'll be embarrassed, right? Yeah. Like, oh, I won't belong. And for me, at least, that's never been the experience that I've had in these kind of group settings. Yeah, I agree. I think it is nerve wracking. We're human beings. You're, you're going to be a little bit nervous walking into an event um, like that. In my experience, and I've done those types of events with other people and I've done them by myself, I always get more out of it when I do it by myself. And then because you're more likely to meet new people and mm. get a very different experience, you're not thinking as much about the other person that you have a connection with it's more about connecting with the experience and I think it's just making that decision when you go to something like that because it's a time investment it's a money investment so you've got to make it worthwhile so yeah my attitude to that is just playful out what have you got to lose especially if you go by yourself you don't have to see anyone in that room again <laughs> what's the worst <laughs> gonna happen <laughs> yeah no that's a really excellent point you know I hadn't really thought of that but if I think back to just like you know house parties or or, or going to a, a bar or something with friends the more friends I have the less likely I am to interact with anyone else in those settings because yeah. it's easy to just pigeonhole yourself into a little corner with the people you already know and then you may as well be back at home yeah. um and the same thing could happen at those conferences for sure. So um, I guess hmm, I'm, I'm, I, I'm trying to think of a different way to position this because I've asked this question this way before, but I don't, I don't have better language. What is a, what is a misconception that you think, and it doesn't have to be the biggest or the most common, but what is a, a, a common misconception that you think that people have about, about the coaching work that you do Ooh. and not you personally, but the co okay. coaching industry at large, or maybe being a client of a coach, either, or. It's um, a really good question. I think for me when, and, and I, I've had several coaches. So I think, you know, it's what I'm looking for when I've, I suppose that's the only way that I could describe it. That There are people that, I will probably never get a coach and that they potentially don't see the need for it. But then I think, you know, even if you have a personal trainer at the gym, then you know, that's a coach. So you can have coaches for any area of your life. And I think maybe one misconception is, you know, I don't need it. I'm driven enough. I'm going to make it anyway. And yes, if you, if you really, really want it and your why is strong enough and you have a clear plan, you know the steps, you know who can help you, then great, you know, good for you. But I do think that getting a coach for anything that you want to be super successful at will make your boat go faster. And that's been my approach. You know, I, why am I gonna make all of the same mistakes that other people have made trying to do things by themselves? Um, when I can make it a hell of a lot easier and learn from the best. And I think with that, it is finding someone you resonate with, some, someone that, you know, gets, gets you. Um, there's a lot of accountability out there. Mm. And I've been part of 
like personally again my advice for accountability is get an accountability partner and that person needs to have an understanding of where you want to go they don't need to understand exactly maybe what you want to do but what they do need to be is on a similar level it shouldn't be your partner it shouldn't be a friend it needs to be someone that is going to help keep you accountable and some people, yes, some people really struggle with the accountability thing, but like for me, I find that really useful. So I have coaches and I have an accountability partner where we speak once a week, we have half an hour each, we go, right, this is what's happened this week. These are the top three priorities I said were my priorities for this week. This is where I am with them. These are my top three priorities for next week. And that can be across, so for me, that can be across my day job, that can be with Beat the Overwhelm, that can be with my property, that could, it depends what's happening, it changes every week. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so I think just having the opportunity to speak out loud is sometimes all you need. You answer so many questions yourself just by taking that time out to reflect. Yeah, that's that's something that I have found. Um, you know, I had never had a coach and, and then a couple years ago, I guess now, I, I started working with a coach and, um, to be clear, I don't mean to diminish the, the broad range of value that she provides to me. Mm -hmm. um, but I think that one of the primary values of it is, is just having a direct line of communication with someone where, and, and I, th I feel weird when I explain it this way, but where it's not a reciprocal relationship, like with a friend or a partner, like you talked about, yeah, maybe I talk to you about my, to my friend about what I want to do. But now there's an expectation that they also get to tell me about what they want to do. And, and now some of my mental capacity is going to be used on that. And, and that's normal and healthy. I'm not saying that that's not appropriate in those relationships. <laughs> but with a coach, that's not what it is. Because the coach is there just to work with you know me on me in that example. Yeah. Um, and so it's 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 fascinating in, in an hour how how far down the rabbit hole you can go when you don't ever have to stop, right? When you don't ever have to see where the other person is and find out how their day went or whatever the case may be. So a word you used that I'm I'm curious to ask a bit more about. Again, I realize these questions are all very strange, but um, <laughs> I'm enjoying it. It's good. It's me. Um, 
but you know, the, there's words that I think are, are misused. Isn't the right word, but are, are used in one way or used to imply one meaning. And an example of that would be like consequences. Mm. It's used so often to mean negative, but that's not what it means. It just means the outcome of something, which could be good. Right. Yeah. Um, and I think accountability is another word that I think is often tied to like this notion of like shame or being in trouble or punishment or, and I, that's not what it is. I don't think, but, but instead of me defining it, I kind of have a two-part question. What does it mean to you to be held accountable? And then what does it look like to hold someone accountable? So I think it should be the same on both sides. Um, so if you find the right accountability partner, and that's the final part of the Beat the Overwhelm program, because when you coach anyone, like for me, you kind of, you want to keep helping them. And so I've built this program now, I take them through the nine steps, and then we get to the end. And I'm like, how can they continue on without needing to be reliant on me? Um, you know, they'll have access to all the resources and all the new tips and tricks um, that we go through on the program. But what happens next? So what I do is really encourage people to partner up at the end to then continue that journey together. So that's someone that's now of the same mindset on the same track, like minded is really important. And there needs to, for me, there needs to be an element of really wanting. So whatever you commit to achieving, like for me, I think accountability sessions should be weekly. I think that's how it works best for me personally. You have an hour, you have half an hour each to speak um, and go through everything. And you want to be thinking during the week, as it gets closer to your next session, have I done everything that I said I was going to do? And it serves as a reminder as well, um, you know, of the things that what your priorities are for that week. And are you doing them? How are you going to do them? Um, where I feel accountability groups fall down is that they just tend to be too nice. Mm. It's a nice chat and it's great to catch up. It's great to hear where every, how everyone's getting on. But I feel... I don't know if too soft is the right term, but like, that's how I feel. I'm like, I enjoy the sessions because I enjoy speaking to people. I may or may not learn something. Me talking about how I'm doing is always really helpful for me because it just clarifies things in my head. It's just a reminder of, yep, this is where I am. This is where I'm going. But that's because I'm that type of person. I, I don't think that everyone gets value out of those group sessions because if you what happens if you haven't done anything you've said you you said you were going to do in that month and that happens everyone's mm -hmm. like oh you know don't worry that's fine you'll do it next month for me I, I want someone to be like well why didn't that happen you know you did you set too many things what went wrong and it doesn't it's not an attack but it's a firmness that I think helps yeah, yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. And, well, and, and to some extent, I mean, I, I really like the example of, of asking questions because it's 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 not about, again, being angry or, or attacking yeah. or disappointed even or something. Um, but it is about like, hey, we're really trying to do this. Like it's, it's like t an element of taking it seriously for lack of a better way to explain it. <laughs> yeah, that's a good way to say it. <laughs> um, 
well, and I think that that also, so, you know, you said it shouldn't be a friend or a partner. So with the accountability partner, is that primarily the, the exclusive relationship that those individuals would have? Like they're not otherwise interacting outside of that 30 minute call weekly. That's right. Yeah. So that they would have, and again, I, I don't think anyone should have more than one accountability partner, because as you say, it is different to coaching. Coaching is one way, as you said, mm-hmm. um, even though I think every coach gets so much out of coaching as well. Um, but, you know, essentially in a coaching session, the focus is on helping an individual. In accountability, it is that shared responsibility to help each other, which is really, really valuable. But it should be, I feel, exclusive on that side. Yeah. No, I think that that makes sense. I mean, it just, it's, and it sounds, you know, it can sound, um, it can sound like a, an, maybe a not necessary detail or something, but I think that it is important because I think what, what people don't think about is, you know, if it's a friend, for example, well, maybe your friend disappointed you in some other way earlier in the week. And now when it comes time to the coaching session, you don't really care that they're trying to hold or not coaching session, but the accountability session, you don't care that they're trying to hold you accountable because like, yeah, but you didn't show up for lunch on time on Tuesday when we were supposed to, you know what I mean? And now it, it, it shifted the whole conversation away. Whereas if that's the only relationship you have with them, if you don't come to prepared and you're not participating appropriately, you're kind of just wasting that person's time. Yeah. Whereas if it's your friend, like, Eh, I'm not wasting your time because we're still friends anyway. You know what I mean? hundred percent. Yeah. Completely agree with that. So uh, something else that I think is uh, something that I um, struggle with <laughs> over and over with my own coach where I'm like, I've already learned X lesson. Why am I back to learning it again? You know? And she's like, well, I think it's because you're a human being and not a robot that just, yeah. you know, is a program. And I'm like, well, if we could work on that, maybe I would, I would prefer <laughs> it. Um, but yeah, I mean, can you talk, you, you, I mean, you mentioned that your program has has nine steps. Can you talk about, I mean, it, it, do you see overnight change or is it this incremental process that people go through? I, I mean, it depends what the outcome is. It depends what the outcome that you desire. You know, for me, this is about taking control of your life and becoming more productive, better managing your inner voice, etc. So to quickly run through the nine steps and it, it might make sense on, how I feel the flow. So we start off with the self-belief element, um, managing your inside voice, being able to add perspective to situations to help you manage your headspace. Um, The inner voice piece, we spend quite a bit of time on that because for so many, that's something that's never really been spoken about. And it's changing their tone with themselves. And that can be life-changing in itself to be honest if we think about how we've spoken you know to ourselves and so I often talk about you know starting to think about how you would talk to your friend if they were in that same situation or had done the made the same mistake and you know why on earth would you speak to yourself that way when you wouldn't you probably wouldn't even speak to your enemy that way so that's really important then we go into goal mapping. So that's how I started coaching. Um, I was very fortunate to meet Brian Main, um, who was my coach. He's the founder of goal mapping. And I just fell in love with the process of mapping out your goals in this way that made sense. There's a lot of stuff 
in self-development that is a bit airy-fairy and a bit fluffy and that's not me <laughs> I really like this because it was like this is how your brain works and this isn't how you need to think about your goals so you set your goals you set your reasons why you want to achieve them because if your reason why isn't big enough chances are you're not going to achieve it and then you look at how and who can help you so you look at every single element it includes visualization exercises it's amazing I love it and um, so that's now a whole module of my course um then we look at following on from that now you've now you're super clear on what you want to achieve is what habits do you need to build so then we have a habit tracker we pick the habits that you need and then you track those um it takes 20 to 30 days um, of doing something consistently for it to become a habit. Um, so it's just looking at how you build those. Then we go into a bit more of, you know, how much are you dealing with? So I think there's so much generic content out there. So this part of it is really, really tailored to look at you as an individual. We all have 24 hours in the day, but we all are managing a different amount of stuff. <laughs> so it's looking at your personal circumstance exactly how much time you have to allocate to each of your roles in life so that is one of my favorite parts of the program because at mm -hmm. first you set a percentage to each role you have in life and what you think how much of your time you think you should be spending as a percentage on each of those roles to be great at it or to be perfect at it. And what comes out of that is typically it ranges between 200 and 700%. So it's a big wake up call of, oh, no wonder I feel so overwhelmed because my expectations are way up here. They're completely unrealistic. So then we get them to the 100%, including downtime. That's really, really mm -hmm. important, including downtime. Um, then there's a lot of focus on how to avoid distractions. And then there's a lot of practical work of, okay, right, I've got all of this figured out. How do I take control of my months, weeks, days? You know, how do I make sure and do my best to make sure I keep on track and that I'm happy and being kind to myself <laughs> and as well as others. If you start being kinder to yourself, you'll be naturally kinder to others as well. Um, and then we head into the accountability. Mm, okay. Yeah, no, that's awesome. Um, I, I, was, I was taking some notes as you were explaining it, but uh, I mean, a lot of what you've just described definitely mirrors, um, you know, my own experience that I've been on here. And mine wasn't as succinct as what you just described, because I didn't start working with someone like yourself right away. I started reading books and <laughs> trying to figure it out. Um, but yeah, I mean, the, the self-belief thing in the inner voice, I, I love that that's the first thing that you tackle because for me that was the first thing I had to tackle um and it's funny because we we're talking about accountability I was super mean to myself whenever I would make mistakes or and, and it's the the thing was is that it's not even a mistake like to me a mistake sounds like an accident but a lot of the choices I were making they weren't accidents I definitely <laughs> willingly chose to do the thing that's counter to what I my stated goal right yeah um and so in an effort to be accountable so that I didn't feel like I was a liar, I would just be super mean to myself. Yeah. And I thought that that was like reasonable. And when I had other friends that would also make detrimental choices, we'll say kindly, 
and they wouldn't shame themselves in the way I would. I was like, what's wrong with you? Like, yeah. are you some sort of monster for not shaming yourself? Not realizing that really it was, that was my own, my own thing that I just made up and it, it didn't work. It, it, it never propelled me to do better, <laughs> to yeah. be mean to myself. Um, but it ties in with another thing that you talk about, which is habits. That was a habit that I had developed. I make a choice that I regret and then I follow that up by self-shame and then probably make another choice of regret to try and make myself feel better from, and it's just this cycle, right? Yeah. Um, so I think that's really important. And I, I also love ha the, the habits part of it because that was the other thing that was a real key for me personally was, and to be clear, I'm not coming from the mountaintop or something. I'm still, <laughs> still climbing the mountain. Um, but was that a, a lot of the things that I thought were like innate traits of mine, like, oh, I struggle with being disciplined or being consistent. Like, no, no, no. Like, that's not a trait of mine. It's just a habit. They're all just habits. And those are all choices back to our earlier <laughs> point of conversation, right? Um, I just, yeah, I just think that's, that's super awesome, um, to, to hear, to hear that it's, I'm on the right path to some extent. I know this is supposed to be about me, but I just, I had to. <laughs> I think everyone's on a path, you know, I don't mm -hmm. think, and it, you know, it is titled beat the overwhelm, but the fact is, you know, does that mean that I don't ever get overwhelmed? No, I definitely still get overwhelmed, but I'm very aware of it and I know how to deal with it. If I want to wallow for a few minutes, if I want to give myself a break and just feel frustrated, I'm allowed to do that and that's fine. But I know I, I know how to get out of it quicker than I ever would have done before. And it's being able to just very, it's just changing the way your mind works. It's fascinating to me how much I have changed my mind. Um, you know, even if I'm having an argument with someone in my head, I am trying really hard naturally to see things from their perspective instead of just seeing red and being like, no, I'm, I'm right here. I'm right. It's just, you know, even if I really don't agree, it's like, well, you know, what's led them to having that belief that's so different to mine. And it's not a personal attack. It's, you know, people don't get up in the morning and want to make your life miserable. Like they probably have stuff of their own going on and that's manifested itself in some way. Right, right. You know, that's a really important point that you bring up as well is that you, you described it as recognition and it, it's it, with the recognition, it, it comes a, an ability to to kind of pause and not for an hour necessarily. I mean, maybe it could be that, but even if it's just for a moment and like you said, recognize what's happening and then back to the other thing you've been talking about, choose how you respond as opposed to just reacting, right? Which is where we feel powerless when we feel like we're just having to react to things as opposed to being able to choose how we respond to things. Yeah. Um, so uh, something else that I've, I've been asking a lot of guests about this, but I, I fascinated by it. How do you, what do you, what are your thoughts on, what are your thoughts on fear? Um, and what I mean by that is I think fear is something that is really, really prevalent and not always recognized. How do you, conquer, overcome fear, which to some extent might be tied to being overwhelmed, right? That same feeling. Yeah, I think for me, it's about feeling in control. And mm. I think that's what, you know, what's the outcome that I want people to have after working with me. And it's about feeling in control. And it doesn't mean that life's going to go to plan. Life will come and knock you over. <laughs> um, but it's about then how quickly you get up. I think for me... 
I don't, yeah, for me, I see fear as a very different type of energy. Um, mm. And I'm someone who I try to not let fear get in the way. So I think I've had much more experience with overwhelm than I have with fear because I've naturally always pushed myself outside of my comfort zone for so long. That was something I naturally did you know, to the extent of it being detrimental. <laughs> um, but I've, I've, that's something that, yes, we all feel it. But again, it's just becoming aware of it and what it means. And I, I love adrenaline. And I think every time you push yourself out of your comfort zone and push yourself past the point of fear, I think that feeling is quite addictive. <laughs> so, Yeah. Yeah, no, that that's fair. I it made me think of it because I, I when we were talking about recognizing things and, and that pause, um, again, I'm so selfish in this conversation, but uh, my own self, I found that like you know I might experience something as frustration, but what's really underlying that is some version of fear. I mean, it's not I don't think I'm going to die or something. It's not that mm-hmm. level of fear, but ultimately, it's some feeling of of not being in control and not, you know, things aren't going to go well and that manifests as frustration. But if I can pause and recognize what is really happening, then, you know, maybe I can change (laughs) that outcome. I think the scariest things have been, you know, when I've openly started talking about things with people outside of, you know, in property, I have property friends and groups and stuff where I can, easily and comfortably talk about my property journey but then you speak to someone who doesn't get it at all and then trying to explain to them that you know I'm investing in property and I'm launching a course and you're speaking to and it's it's that fear of a a reaction a negative reaction and what are people Mm -hmm. going to think so I think I would say looking back over recent times those are probably the points when that's where I felt the most fear. I definitely is when I'm just about to do a public post on what I'm doing. I'm like, Oh my God, what's the reaction going to be? Um, <laughs> like literally my whole body is just tensed up talking about it. <laughs> yeah, Like you do feel a bit sick, but it's just, you know, it's never as bad as you think it's going to be. And I'm definitely in that place now. I'm like, people are going to have an opinion regardless of what I do. Like wh- whatever I do or don't do, everyone loves to have an opinion. So it's you know yes just if anyone's you know allowing that to hold them back and I think for so many that is the reason why they don't push themselves outside of the comfort zone because it's different to what their peers are doing and they're worried about what people are going to say and they're going to be pulled down and they're going to be told it's a silly idea it's just just do it and find people on the same path, find like-minded individuals. It doesn't have to be your family and friends. Um, as long as you have at least one other person that gets it, then mm-hmm. that will do wonders for you and propel you forward. Yeah. Yeah. No, that, that, that's awesome. So are you working with people primarily in the UK or do you work with people from anywhere in the world? So prim- to date, it's been in the UK, um, but the idea of the online course is that it's going to be accessible to anyone so um i'm not sure when the podcast is going live but it's going the course is going live imminently um so yes it'll be available to anyone awesome awesome 
Uh, well, Danny, I really, really appreciate you coming by the show this evening and, and sharing these these thoughts and ideas. Um, like I said, it really resonates with with me a ton. Um, and I also I, I do want to say before we wrap up, I do want to say I think it's I really and I don't mean this facetiously. I really think it's powerful for people to understand that someone who's been in sales for 20 years, right, still can experience a fear of rejection, <laughs> right? Like, <laughs> I mean. <laughs> yeah, that's really funny. Yeah, in, when I'm in that mode, but it, it depends what zone you're in. Like, yeah. you know, in sales, it's just, yeah. I mean, it was and easier. I, <laughs> yeah. I didn't mean it as a shot at all either. I just really no. mean, like, just to show people that, like, no one is this ironclad machine yes. that just is impenetrable against all doubt or anything. Right. Like, I mean, I, I would, I would be terrified to try and be doing sales all the time, um, <laughs> but I'll go talk to strangers. Right. So I don't know. It's <laughs> um, well, again, the, the, the website uh, is beat the And again, I'll have a link directly in the show note. Is there any other way that, that people should, should reach out to you? Or is that the best way for people to get in contact with you? Um, I'd say probably the best way. So yeah, the website is great. There's some information there. I'm on Facebook and, and Instagram, um, Beat the Overwhelm um, on Facebook. And there's also a private group, which is free. So there's the public page content goes out on that every day. And then there's a private group. So if you want to join a network of like-minded individuals, there's the Beat the Overwhelm community and Instagram essentially has the same information going out on it as the Facebook page. Um, but that's Instagram. I think it's beat.the.overwhelm. Yeah, I won't let you have any spaces. So um, <laughs> well, I'll, I'll, like I said, I'll, I'll put show notes, I'll put links in the show notes to all those things so people can just click directly on it and go join okay. it. Um, well, Danny, again, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. Anything else you wanted to touch on before we, we finish up? No, we've covered a lot. Thank you so much. That's been a really enjoyable conversation and um, I look forward to hearing it back. <laughs> awesome. Well, thanks again. All right.
Looking across the hill The sirens carrying the death of hell The neighbors of dogs cold outside Four million miles away People humbled and done to waste Satellites frame a tiny Distant views reflect our past Violent river across the path Conquered specks in a cosmic All right, folks, well, that's going to do it for the show today. Thank you so much again to Danny Wade for stopping by. Really appreciated our conversation. Again, beattheoverwhelm.co is the website. You can find those links in the show notes. Of course, I want to also thank Misha for the music. And last but not least, thank you, listener, for listening. I also want to encourage you to check out my other podcast, Pick Up Your Sticks, which is co-hosted by myself and Brett Lindley. Pick Up Your Sticks is a podcast about video games where we really focus on why gaming matters. You can find Pick Up Your Sticks on any podcast platform. Again, thanks so much for the listen. Have a great week. Stay up.